0: Alongside Chad Gordon, I am Ryan Lieber. Chad, down the stretch we come. September baseball is in full swing.
1: How's it going from the West Coast, my friend? It It's going well, and I got to tell you, with, you know, thinking about this, this lineup, thinking about everything that's happened so far, all of the injuries that have happened, can you believe that this team is still on pace for 95 wins?
0: Well, it's pretty incredible to think about that, considering, like you said, everything that has happened, and at times... It looks like this team has been in a rut, but yet there they are sitting with the top record in the National League, uh, as you mentioned, on pace to win 95 games. So I think we're we're not witnessing something that uh, maybe is actually happening. You know, when you actually watch a team and maybe we're just too involved at this point (laughs) and maybe we're watching it and we're we're so ingrainedly involved emotionally that we don't actually see how great they're actually playing. Yeah. We're only watching it sometimes when they're not playing is great. But I guess that's the uh, joy yeah. and the and the tension of being a fan at the same time.
1: And that's that's a really good point. What I'm I'm trying to, to keep you know tempered expectations, obviously. But this this feels like this has an opportunity to be a special season if you really think about. All of the adversity and all the issues, all the injuries, all the poor signings, all, all the, you know, the fluke issues that have happened. And it's still right now um, one of the one of the strongest teams we've seen. And and the fourth fourth year of uh, really competitive baseball in September. But before we get into I have to ask you a question. So went to a music festival this weekend, went to Kabo. Yeah. The highlights for me. I saw. The Foo Fighters, Alice in Chains. It was rock heavy for me. I saw um, uh, Slash um, with his his other band, not with Guns N' Roses. I saw the legend Robert Plant. I was blown away by how good Imagine Dragons were live. It was a three-day festival. And I used to go to Lala every year, Lala Blues in Chicago. This festival nearly killed me. At what point do I scale back the three-day festival and just do, just do a one-day? We're okay. not as young as we used to be, right? We can't... Uh...
0: We can't party like we once did, I guess, once upon a time when we were at uh, Southern Illinois University. You know what? Listen, man, yeah. I say you just go full throttle as long as you can, because I am sure that there were older people in their 50s and in their 60s and maybe in their 70s that went to all three days and still were able to hang for the entire weekend did you see that at least out there
1: i I just love that you told me to stay with it and then you're like you immediately went to uh 50s 60s and 70s so thank you for that (laughs) (laughs) i was was trying to show you that people much older than you
0: (laughs) are are still able to uh you know hang tough in these music festivals but i say just keep going strong man don't let it get you. don't
1: let the age conquer you. You conquer the age. That's why I appreciate I that. that. Well, let's, let's, let's conquer this podcast. Let's actually uh, go out. Yes. Let me, let me kick off. Uh, let me lead off here and let's, and, and this is well, devastating real news. Quick, oh yes. Before we get to that, I just wanted yeah. to say real
0: quick, I wanted to just mention Allie Cohen is going to be our guest on the podcast. Oh, yeah. She is the weekend sports anchor at WKRC, the CBS affiliate in Cincinnati, Ohio. You can follow her at AliCo32 uh on Twitter and then also you know we never really get a chance to mention this you can follow me at Ryan Lieber 75 on Twitter and then they can follow you at Cubs underscore win at Cubs underscore win on Twitter and you can give us any sort of comments or feedback on the podcast we'd love to hear what you have to say um and with that I will hand it
1: over to you in the first inning Absolutely. And, and, and this week we uh, we played around with some uh, some polls and uh, we had some great uh, activity and, and uh, we had some uh, great comments on the polls we did on our Facebook page. So make sure you find us there as well. The Friendly Confines Cubs Facebook page on the Facebook. Well, let's kick off the first inning leading off and devastating news really to start the week. All the expectation, especially after what happened with Pedro Strope last week. Um, all the, the attention was focused on Brandon Morrow. He was expected to come back and return to the bullpen by the end of this month. Instead, official word came down. He was shut down for the year after an exam uh, with an orthopedist confirmed that uh, a bone bruise in his pitching elbow was not healing well enough. What is the implications? What's the impact of this news today, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's huge, right?
0: I mean, even though the Cubs have been able to get through uh, the season for the most part without Morrow. They also had, you know, other guys in their bullpen that they could rely on on a day in and day out basis. I'm not so concerned about the regular season, Chad, as much as I'm worried about yeah. the postseason. Because we both know the game of baseball becomes a much shorter game in the playoffs. Your bullpen is really going to be working a lot more. Starters don't go as long. And so the pen is really relied upon so much more in those games, whether it comes to the, you know, the LCS or the World Series or, you know, for that matter, even the division series. So it does concern me going into the postseason a little bit because I think a lot of it has to do with how good of a bullpen you have. You know, I go back to 2016. The Cleveland Indians were a little bit of a surprise to make it to the World Series in 2016. But that was because they had such an incredible bullpen. Yeah, and and they were able to ride the Andrew Miller and, and you know, the Allens of the world to get to the World Series. And now the Cubs are in a situation where that bullpen by committee is really going to have to step up. Who is going to be the ultimate closer for this team? I know Joe Madden says it's going to be by committee, but I think you and I both know Joe would love to have a guy that he can say, okay, this is going to be our closer for the postseason, and maybe he can step up. I'm concerned. Uh, maybe yeah. I'm just being a little bit of a worrywart here, but – At the same token, I got to think that, you know, when you play in the postseason, uh, we've seen the Kenley Jansons of the world and how key they are for a team like the Dodgers or any team for that matter. That's, you know, got a a solid closer. Um, It's going to be key and it's going to be really interesting to see how the Cubs respond here.
1: Yeah, and, and this was one of our poll questions that we did this last week. And who do we trust as a closure? And we had, had about 100 votes. And um, and it was pretty neck and neck between Jesse Chavez and and uh, and Justin Wilson. Um, and I know a lot of people are still gun shy about Justin Wilson. I actually think Justin's the guy. His, he's been absolutely fantastic and pretty shut down. But let's talk about this. Um, you know, we had some bad news. We're going to address it in the second inning around Pedro Stroop and and what happened there. But since he went down last week, the Cubs' bullpen has combined to throw nearly 10 shutout innings, nine and two-thirds. They've only allowed four hits, two walks, and seven strikeouts. And this is everybody. This isn't just Jesse. This isn't just Justin Wilson. This is Maples, Rosario, De La Rosa, Garcia. So right now and throughout this season, and it may not feel like it on paper, this is a pretty established a bullpen that has done very well. Now, we aren't talking about CJ Edwards right there, um, and we aren't addressing the Pedro Strope situation just yet. Um, so, there are some concern points, but you know, uh, this is this is a, a strong team, and, and the, these are the moments when legends rise to the o- occasion, and uh, and I'm not trying to, to put uh, uh, Justin Wilson in, into a potential le- legend category, but if he steps up and becomes a shutdown guy and continues to pitch around a two ERA, um, he could have a tremendous impact over the next 30 days.
0: All right, let's move on to the second inning now, and as you kind of mentioned, the Cubs lose Brandon Morrow. Well, they've also lost Pedro Strope, who is running out – a uh, base hit to first and obviously (laughs) came up lame. And now, as Joe Madden put it, he is going to be out for a long time. So the bad news continues for the bullpen. Uh, You mentioned um, who you would like to see close out games. I'm going to give you a name that I have gotten the opportunity to see when he was a member of the Miami Marlins, and he was the closer for the Miami Marlins, and and quite a good closer is Steve Ciszek. Who, um, who has been in that closer role before, and he, I think, has the makeup to do it. Um, what do you think about Steve Ciszek maybe being that guy um, to possibly be the closer moving forward from here on out? He got the save opportunity against Cincinnati the other day, um, and now he comes into a situation where, again, I think Joe's just looking for the hot hand, but maybe yeah. he's
1: somebody that can step up uh, in, in these next few weeks. I like his approach. I like his arm angle. I like that he he typically does pound the strike zone um, and he he does induce a lot of ground balls. I think um, he's in the mix and, and and he was only left out because I can't, you know, the rosters have expanded. I could only name so many people. Um, So I I think that's, that, that is a great potential right there. And I think you're going to see him in some important spots, but um, I want to take a step back for just a second and just say, you know, has Joe gotten enough, enough attention on this decision last week which could have tremendous regular season and post season implications. I did mention the bullpens done very well since Pedro went down, but he had already, he came in the 8th inning um, so I want to ask you that question. He had already recorded five outs. He had thrown 21 pitches. Bases were loaded. The Cubs have a one-run game. Pedro Strofe's uh, spot comes up. You've got um, arms available in the bullpen. And, and A, should Pedro have swung? B, should he have ran? And D, <laughs> C, um... What in the world was Joe thinking? Will this decision to bat Pedro, will that come back to haunt the Cubs? Well, I think this
0: is one of those situations where you're playing the results, right? Because now we yeah. know what happened. Um, hindsight's always 20-20. And I think we can sit here and you know talk about, well, should Joe have pinched it for him? Why is he in that situation? But I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, look, Joe looked at it and said, I need the guy who's going to be my closer to be on the hill to close out the game. It was a freak accident. I mean, certainly it's not something that we see on a regular basis. And again, I think when you are playing the results, it's easy to look back on it and say, okay, he made the wrong decision. But, you know, look, I don't fault Joe for this this move. I, I felt like at the time, me personally, I thought it was the right move to make. I, I certainly felt mm. like, Hmm. Stroop's a guy who can go up to the plate. I'm not saying he's going to be like, you know, a ball breaker. But at the same time, he, he does swing the bat a little bit. He can make contact. And I think it was just one of those freak things, Chad. I really do. So I'm, I can't sit here and kill Joe for that because nine times out of ten, he's coming back and he's going back on the hill and he's not getting hurt. Yeah. That was the one time that it happened. Yeah. And he, unfortunately, it did. But I, I, I hate to kill somebody when you're playing the results and not the situation um, because in that spot, I felt like he did
1: the right thing in that situation. Well, it, it reminded me of Joe in, in the 2016 uh, postseason where he just decided he was going to uh, ride or as Chapman um, for multiple innings and he didn't do it at all, you know, or at least at that much towards the end of the season. And it just felt very out of ca- uh, character, um, you know, so hopeful that, that Pedro can come back, but I'm so concerned that uh, that we're not going to get him anywhere near 100%. So let's move on to the third inning. And here was another poll question. This was interesting because as I had mentioned to kick off um, the episode, think about the fact that this team is on pace for, for, you know, mid nineties wins and they have had some incredible injuries in terms of, of uh, uh, people that are off the team now in terms of out, out of the lineup, uh, Morrow, uh, Yu Darvish, um, now, Pedro, um, they're hoping that he'll be able to come back. Schwarber's got a back issue. Listelle is day-to-day with a back issue. Current guys that, uh, um, that are playing but not quite at 100%. Bryant uh, Hayward uh, returns this week. Addison Russell has been um, nursing some injuries. And so I pose that question about who would you rather have? You only have one of these guys back at 100%. Chris Bryant narrowly edged out Brandon Morrow, who was a close second uh, with a hundred and some votes. Uh, who would you have in this mix if you could have anybody back at a hundred percent, but just one person who's your guy?
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, it's hard not to say Morrow and I'll tell you why. I mean, as much as people probably would think it'd be Chris Bryant, I go back to, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, the Cubs offensively were pretty good without Bryant, David Bodie. Yeah was playing out of his mind and he yeah. was playing so great that it didn't really, you know, lend itself to worrying about Chris Bryant when he was coming back. I had even said at one point that what's the harm of shutting down Chris Bryant for the rest yeah, of the year and letting, me saying him, that. Yeah. letting him rehab because you got guys like the Bodies and the hobbies and the Daniel Murphy's and Rizzo and all those guys that are supplying the offense. You know, does it matter if Chris Bryant's in the lineup? So for me, I'm going to go with Brandon Morrow as well. Um, well, I should say I'm going to go with Brandon Morrow because you said Chris Bryant edged him out. But mm-hmm. I think having that closer down the stretch in the postseason, I, I mean, listen, we saw how important it was to have a closer in 2016, right? We saw yeah. how important it was to have a closer in 2017. I mean, Kenley Jansen basically shut down the Cubs in the, the NLCS and and we got to see that firsthand what that means when you have a Wade Davis on your team for the Cubs last year who was yeah. able to basically be unhittable in the ninth inning he was tremendous I, what I wouldn't do to have him right now but even though he's having a uh, he had a horrible season for Colorado but still <laughs> I, I mean last year he was lights out for the Cubs he was so you know I just think having that closer is going to be so crucial. Um, that for me, it's it's definitely Brandon Morrow. What about yourself?
1: Well, and and, uh, and I appreciate that, and I, that's that's where I that's that's where I was leaning. But I, I've got to say, if 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 truly hundred percent, truly play to the full expectations, I'm going all in on Chris Bryant. If he can be one hundred percent, and we're, we are talking metaphorically here, just just the hopeful, wishful thinking that that he could do that, you know, the impact of Chris Bryant at one hundred percent. Yeah, from a defensive standpoint and offensive standpoint is incredible in terms of the war that he brings the, the, the play over replacement value. Here's a little fun note before I let you move on to the fourth inning. Do you realize, so he did find his power stroke and he, he hit a home run in Arizona, which was beautifully um, uh, uh, predicted uh, on, on the Cubs broadcast. I love that. If you haven't seen that video, find it. Um, the last one he hit for the Cubs, you know how long it's been? Neither Jesse, neither Jesse Chavez or Cole Hamilton pitched for the Cubs yet. That's how long it's been since Chris Bryant had hit a home run. And wow.
0: at the same time, you were able to actually attend three-day music festivals without <laughs> feeling hungover. So that right no, there. No, I'm not
1: hungover. I'm just sore. I'm physically exhausted.
2: Now,
0: here on the Friendly Confines with Ryan Lieber and Chad Gordon. And Chad, the Cubs are going through a stretch now where they got 30 straight days of playing baseball. And I guess it's now trying to figure out if they're going to feel good down the stretch and not be that exhausted as they finish up the season. Yeah. The Arizona, yeah. the White Sox, and, of course, the Cardinals. So, with that, do you feel comfortable and confident that this team is going to have enough left in the tank as they go down the season's end.
1: This has been a theme, Ryan, for a while. We've been talking about this, and it was supposed to just be 23 straight games. Was 23 straight days, and then weather just did not cooperate. And now, at the end of this Arizona series, it will be 30 straight days without a, a, a without a, a day off for the Cubs. Do I feel confident? They've exceeded my expectations. I mean, the fact that they they remain in the lead, um, they actually picked up a game even at this point in the Brewers I was not when I think about about rest and you know they are in Arizona which really sets it up really well that's where their spring training home is they play really well there they've got a great fan base out there what I think is the focus now is how will the pitching respo- respond? I'll let you dig deeper on some of the ERA numbers, but the, you know, the headline for me is the Cubs starters over the last 31 games. And this is before the Tuesday game started this week. The Cubs starters have a major league baseball best ERA in those 31 games. So if the pitching continue to maintain that pace, if they can continue to carry the load, it won't matter so much the offense if the pitching allows them to stay in more games. What do you think?
0: Well, I appreciate you setting me up for this because I just happen to have those stats handy. The Cubs' starting pitching staff in the last 31 games, an MLB best 2.53 ERA, Chad. Cole Hamels' last nine starts leading the way with a 157 ERA. John Lester with an ERA under two in his last six. Uh, Kyle Hendricks with an ERA at about 1.63. And then Jose Quintana with an ERA just over two. So that, as you mentioned, the best starting staff ERA over the course of the past month. So the pitching has been stellar. We talked about the bullpen. They've looked good so far, so good. It's just offensively, it's been a little wonky here and there. Sometimes they look like world beaters. Other times they look like they put it all together. And to your point, you know, Arizona is a very big popular spot for a lot of Chicagoans who are transplants in the the West Coast. So this is a great chance for the Cubs to play in front of a A pro Cubs crowd, probably a bigger Cubs crowd than it is Diamondbacks crowd at Chase Field. You know, as you mentioned, this is their spring training home. So certainly there's a lot of people that are out there um, from the Chicagoland area that are probably natives that now make their home um, in Arizona. And then, of course, you mentioned they've got the White Sox coming up this, you know, coming weekend, even though they're playing, quote unquote, a road game or a road series you know listen they're still sleeping in their beds they're yeah. still being able to have their normal routine as if they were going to a home game they're just driving a little bit further to the south side yeah. as opposed to uh to wrigley field so you know i think this as you mentioned this kind of you know wraps it up well for them and i, I certainly think this works to their favor without a doubt
1: yeah it- point that I want to talk about is is and very briefly is say I can't wait to hear the stories to find out did they go play golf did they do indoor skydiving did they all just take a nap on Thursday what did they do you know they're going to do something fun to stay loose because as you said you know the stretch run uh, is, uh, is really picking up and uh, this is it. This is their opportunity to, to take that quick breather. So let's move on. Let's not give the listeners a chance for a breather move right on to the fifth inning. And this is an interesting one. Um, I'll just set the stage. You're a Cubs fan. Everybody's a Cubs fan that's listening to this probably. And you saw Wilson Contreras, uh, when I saw this on Twitter I thought this would be like a great softball team name or like a fantasy football team name pimping doubles. <laughs> he was he was the the term pimping pimping what he thought was a home run turns out wasn't a home run. And he very nearly got thrown out at second base after admiring a ball that didn't, he didn't quite get enough of it. The Twitter spear blew up. I'll let you talk about how Madden and the rest of the team responded. But Ryan, what do you think? Was this overreaction or was this something that people should have been very, I know the old school, old guard of baseball fandom, they're very unhappy about this. What do you think? Was this an egregious error? Is this something that is problematic? Is this a Willie problem?
0: You know, listen, I, I think that this is something that he uh, probably looks back on and felt like he was in the heat of the moment. He probably was thinking, oh, I got all this one, and he didn't. And it would have been even a bigger problem if he had gotten thrown out in oh, second base. Oh, yes. Oh, Thankfully, yes. Thankfully, he did not. I don't really think he would have gotten a triple anyway. But yes. uh, certainly, you can't take anything for granted, especially when these games – count more than any other game the Cubs have a very slim lead in the you know central right now and every time that the Cubs make a silly mistake that could potentially come back to haunt them so Joe called him out at the end of the game and he felt like he was really disappointed he said the team was upset as well and listen point taken I think Wilson Contreras yeah. recognized what he did was wrong I think Joe certainly made his point and I think this is a young player who's got a, a teaching moment That uh, is now coming his way where he can look back on it and say, okay, I made a mistake. Theo Epstein even commented on it and said, look, he did it once. This isn't a reoccurring thing. He did it once. Let's not kill him over it. Everybody makes a mistake and then we'll move on from the situation and and certainly move forward. So, I mean, obviously it wasn't a smart baseball play, but at the end of it all, if Wilson Contreras can make sure this doesn't happen again, he's a solid player, great defensive player. um, I'd like to think that, you know what, Joe made his point. The team understands what happened and we all move forward from this and, and can move on.
1: Yeah, and you know, and, and Willie's the guy that uh, that plays with his, his hair on fire and he he is not one to lack for hustle, he's not one to take a playoff. So I'm forgiving this. This was not egregious to me. You know, what I do appreciate Joe Madden's got his foundation, I've got a couple of his t-shirts, the respect 90. And if, if our listeners don't know what that is, it's it's respect the 90 feet between home plate and first base, and he expects his team to hustle. And and I gotta tell you. We don't have very many instances where we see people not hustling down to first base on routine ground balls. And that, to me, is more important than misjudging how hard you hit a ball. And let's be very honest. You know, Javi Baez, uh, a couple nights later, took a very long time after he hit a home run in Arizona. Um, We've seen Rizzo actually hit the wall on one he he admires. Rizzo doesn't typically sprint out of the box when he hits the ball hard. Schwarber, we love to watch him pose. You know, this this is baseball these days. It doesn't bother me at all. It wasn't an a problem because he didn't get out. Um, and it's a good lesson learned. I can guarantee you that Wilson Contreras is not going to knock it out of that box fast. Anytime the rest of this season, that was, that was the lesson learned.
0: All right, let's move on now to the sixth inning. And of course the return of Jason Hayward, we've talked about this on the show oh, yeah. plenty of times, how important and a key cause he is to that lineup. Um, and defensively, especially in right field, Uh, Jay Hay back from that right hamstring pull that uh, sat him out for quite a bit. And now with uh, him back in the lineup, how does that change the dynamic of the offense? And what sort of impact do you expect Jason to have the rest of the season?
1: We talked before about who would we rather... You know, and we, we both agreed, you know, since tomorrow's not coming back, we both agreed that we want um, Chris Bryant at 100%, if that's even going to be possible. But this is the guy that had such an impact on the team before um, he had hurt himself, and before he went out, you know, Jason Hayward, when he's in the outfield, he shuts down seventy percent left to right of the outfield. It's very hard to hit a ball over his head. There's not many fences that he won't climb up and and make a play on the ball. And there's also very few balls that are going to drop in front of them or down on the uh, the you know the foul line, foul territory as well. This guy, from a defensive standpoint, adds. And save, saves runs um, um, for this team, and it's so valuable and so important. And what I also like is it kind of solidifies the lineup in a little bit. That Jason Hayward will, if, if he's back and he's fully healthy, he can play in his spot. And then the others who are going to be interchangeable will know their roles a little bit more clearly. It's been a bit of a free for all with all the injuries. The important thing to talk about here is 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 his defense, but his leadership skills are incredible. But offensively, we all have been blown away by the fact that the Jason Hayward batting 275 going into his first start Tuesday night in Arizona, seven home runs, 52 RBIs. And what I love about his approach at the plate, he doesn't look lost. He knows how to fight off, fight off the pitches. He looks really comfortable there in the batter's box. I am, you know, I am patiently and excitedly, you know, it, really looking forward to see um how he's going to look you know what is very exciting that very first swing he took in arizona he just got the the defensive start on monday not the defensive start rather but uh, he, he came in into substitute late in the game but his first swing on uh in arizona um resulted in a double so i feel really good about that how about you
0: yeah i mean listen as we've you know both talked about in the past you know what jason hayward brings to the this team not only from a defensive standpoint but just from a locker room presence as a veteran who is somebody that you know Joe can rely on to oh, yeah. you know keep the composure in the clubhouse I mean everybody remembers who's a diehard Cubs fan the impassioned speech that he gave during game seven of the rain delay in Cleveland that people talk about to this day that he was able to motivate the team and they were able to you know hold on for the win after the home run that was given up by you know Araldis Chapman and the you know going into the inning so i i mean it's just he's he's a veteran presence in that locker room he certainly you know just is a, a stabilizing force for them as well as just makes up a lot of ground in right field he and he saves a lot of you know defensive runs i mean look this is a guy who he's got a cannon for an arm he's able to you know throw runners out he's able to you know play such great defense in right field that he, he's, he's definitely somebody that the Cubs missed at least uh, over the last few days, or excuse me, the few weeks that he was gone because um, you can tell that when he's in the lineup, I think the Cubs, not only defensively, but even a little bit offensively, are, are more rejuvenated with a guy like Jason Hayward in the lineup. Time for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines, and we are happy to be joined by WKRC Weekend Sports anchor, Allie Cohen from Cincinnati, taking some time out of her night to uh, join us here on the program. You can find her at alico 32 on Twitter. Allie, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. How you doing?
2: Thanks so much. It's it's actually my weekend um, today. So, you know, everyone's normal weekend, Saturday, Sunday. But since, like you said, I'm the weekend anchor, my weekend is actually, today's my Sunday. So, that's um, right. It's my weekend. What so what happened and things awesome. go on yeah. in Cincinnati on a Monday and
0: Tuesday that you're able to do? What what does that look like?
2: It you mean if I have to? What do you mean? It's something big? Happens well, no, I just then, mean
0: you got two then... days off. You're off on Mondays oh, and Tuesdays. Like oh, like exactly in the city you're like talking what, about. What's what's the, oh, the usual routine um, for you when you're off on like, a Monday and Tuesday?
2: Um, I well, I was in a I was in a a good um. I traveled for a couple, a good, like, month and a half where I just had things going on. And I was doing something every single Monday, Tuesday weekend. Um, went to Wrigley for the first time a couple weeks ago, which was awesome. Padres were in town. Um, and one being uh, the game that I went to was actually, it was, like think, 5-4. The Cubs won the final. So it was actually not as bad of a game as I thought it was initially going to be. Um, and then sometimes I'll go home to Pittsburgh, um, quick turnaround on a day like today, it was really exciting. I got, um, the oil changed in my car. Uh, I went to yoga. Um, I just got into boxing. I, there's this uh, place that opened, um, recently a title boxing, um, a title boxing place. And I, and I actually, I love it. I mean, who doesn't love punching things, I guess. Right. I mean, you don't even know that you do until you start doing it. Um, and Cincinnati is such as, I mean, it's a big city, but it's also a small city. And so the owners of this place actually had been to one of our Bengals nation tapings last year. They came when AJ McCarron, who was obviously not uh, on the team anymore, but they came when he was um, the guest because their daughters went to Alabama or one of them still went there. So they came and they had, had Bama jerseys on. And when I went in there, um, I was actually going to get some gloves for a birthday gift and i wanted to try it anyway. And they said, and they, I saw them and they, they knew who I was. And, uh, and it was, um, Yeah, small, small world here. So that's my new thing, boxing. Um, But I wish that I could just cover up everyone, blindfold everyone while I do it, because, you know, you think you're tough until you, until you try boxing. And then you're like, I punch like a girl, no offense to girls, because I am one. And there are a lot of girls who are beasts and punch like guys and boxers, but I'm not one of them. So, um, yeah, that's what I did today, yoga. Went back to yoga today. That's that's
0: good stuff. I I was uh, at the gym earlier, and we do kind of like a – my gym is called Nine Rounds, where you go to nine separate rounds. And same thing, like kind of we hit the heavy bags, and we have trainers in there too. And then I show off, you know, how unathletic I am uh, by, you know, showing everyone (laughs) that I can't do the same things that some of these people that I see in my gym do on a regular basis. So it's extremely humbling in that regard. I think – um I I totally get it it's 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 at least it's a good sweat if nothing else that's that's kind of how I look at it
2: right I think it's more mental I think like if I I play basketball I pretty decent so like if you don't over like you you don't want to overthink it you know so I think if you just I think we all think that people are really looking at us more than they actually are but they're not very true they don't care they care about themselves so it's kind of like very you know, true. No well, one cares. Speaking of
0: caring, obviously the uh, fans in Chicago are really caring about every move the Cubs are making down the stretch. You know, like that segue there? The Cubs uh, getting off to an, a nice start <laughs> the other night against Arizona. They win 5-1 um, with Kyle Hendricks, a three-hitter through eight and two-thirds. And the Cubs uh, playing basically a home game in Arizona. So many Chicagoans moving to the Arizona area. So it's kind of nice to see a lot of Cub fans in the crowd. The other night. But the big news of the day, Allie, is the fact that Brandon Morrow, the Cubs closer, who's been out for quite some time, was trying to get back. And now he's going to be out for the season. Um, The Cubs also lost Pedro Strope earlier in the week. So now it's going to be a bullpen by committee. And knowing that baseball becomes a much shorter game once the postseason starts, how much of an effect do you think that can have on the Cubs as they go into the postseason? against some of these teams like the Dodgers or the Brewers or the Cardinals for that matter.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you look at the, you look at bullpens and you look at, even with, you know, closer contracts, you know, it gets, it gets kind of iffy with, you know, pitcher contracts and big contracts for pitchers. Obviously look at Homer Bailey, for example, a couple thousand twenty one million $21 million and he's not having a, yeah he did not have the season that he wanted to have. Um, but when you look at closers, especially at this time, the the rope is so short for starting pitchers. But, I mean, when you look at teams like the Dodgers and the Cubs, I mean, they have pitching that you hope is going to go at least at least six innings. So um, I'm sure that you know better than me. But even with Chapman's last name, I mean, Chapman was on the Reds. Now, obviously, he's on the Yankees with his, his last deal set a record with um, – I believe he set the record for a, a contract for a reliever. So, I mean, just the numbers in itself show you how important that is. And when you go down, um, you know, you want your best guy – with his best stuff out there. And, you know, when you don't have that down the season, that's why every team, every sport, I think everyone talks about it. staying healthy is how you get far in the postseason. I mean, for baseball, it's obviously getting hot at the right time. The Dodgers are, are getting hot at the right time. Obviously there's a, I think that, I think that this last like weekend, obviously there's two weeks left. This last week and a half is going to be pretty big um, because if you got hot the last two weeks, um, you know, obviously that there are a lot of, Van L is, is pretty close and um, all central is close. You have the Dodgers, Rockies, obviously, um, but I think that that's that's huge. I mean, I think that, like I said, you probably, well, I'm sure you've watched this this Cubs team way more than I have. I watch them when they play the Reds and you know when they're on when they're on TV nationally. But um, that's a big hit. You know, you want your guy in there, and obviously they had to adjust without him for a little while. So I think that helps. But then you have know, your set. You know, it's it's a mental thing too, um, and it's interesting because the Reds have kind of shuffled around. Their bullpen guys and their starter guys. Obviously, they've Bryce Iglesias as their closer, and he's been pretty consistent. Um, he's the guy they want to go to. But even tonight um, in in Milwaukee, they have Michael Lorenzen starting tonight, and uh, it's his first start of the season. But they he was injured in the beginning of the season. They put him in the bullpen, and um, their their rotation just isn't what they. It was good for a little while in July, June, July, and they, they kind of had a rhythm, and then it just kind of went. Homer Bailey came back, and not because him, well, because of him, but um you know he he came back all right then he struggled a little bit and they couldn't find that five-man rotation they were with a six-man rotation for a minute and then they took I mean they have Sal Romano they put him in the bullpen they are inserting you know Cody Reed back into the rotation and obviously the Reds don't have you know they're not playing for anything this season so they're trying to get guys out there who who they want to see what they can do for for next season but um you know it's interesting how you shuffle guys around and even this season, watching you know with the, with Tampa Bay, watching how they how they um, kind of reversed the. I think they were. were I'm not sure. You, if you might want to chime in here, but I think they were the first team to ever. They, they they started with their with their closer and worked backwards. So it was kind of like a, and it didn't work for very long. But um, I think the way that baseball um, is managed now, especially in the postseason, you know, it's tough when you don't have the guy you want to go to because every single at bat is gonna is gonna count. And that's really when the you know, they talk about managers and players and who you bring in as managers and sometimes different voices make make different uh you know, have different impacts and effects. You look at coming in obviously with the Cardinals, you know, they're playing, you know, ten plus five their whatever 11, 12 games over five hundred with him taking over from Mancini, But I mean it's really about the players. But then when you look at the postseason you know I think that's that's when it really comes down to man- i mean not if they take not to take anything away from managers, but you know every every single move you make matters um so yeah, it's a hit it's it's a hit, but I guess saving the silver lining is that they they have kind of had to figure out how to deal with him without him for for a little while and Chavez I think he wound up being you know kind of maybe better than they maybe initially thought he was going to be or i mean you could probably tell me better than that i mean obviously they they got him and they thought he was going to be good but um i don't know what the, expe- the expectations for him coming in were they you I mean, obviously they got him but um did he exceed expectations yeah i mean i think
0: that think? they're you know right now these guys are holding down the fort pretty well i mean steve c on the team randy rosario justin wilson who's actually been really good this year um so i mean listen between you and I, I, I don't know how confident I feel with this team. I really got to be honest. I mean, let me ask you this: If you were to look at a team in the NL other than the Cubs, that scares you, is it the Dodgers more or is it the Brewers? Would you say?
2: That's tough. I mean, you want that's tough. I want to say the Dodgers because you look at their pitching; it's just been it's just been more consistent, and I think that their their margin, uh, you know, of uh, of error lies more in their offense than in, I mean, their, their pitching has been pretty consistent um, throughout the whole season. Milwaukee had a, had a crappy August, I think um, pitching. So maybe they've had a pretty good September so far, but um, I want to say the Dodgers because it just really, it's, it's so tough though, because it's really whoever, whoever gets hot like now, I mean, you, they both, both teams, um, you know, obviously the Brewers made a, made a bunch of moves. Um, because they, they saw what was going on with the Central. So you see the Brewers making moves, the Cubs making moves, um, and bringing guys in. And, you know, is it enough to to come out of of the NL? I think it just comes down to pitching, and, and who's pitching is, is going to hold on the floor. Obviously, with you guys, it's, it kind of stinks because your pitching has been, you know, pretty consistent. But you look at your offense, and that's where, um, you know, you want to make – obviously, you know, there's some questions in, in your bullpen, but – bringing Hamels in was big and uh, you know, getting Tanya Murphy, that was almost like a steal. You know, you read these articles and, and guys are on the league. I don't even understand how, how all these teams passed on him. Like how was he even available? Um, So I think that I go with the Dodgers. Um,
0: All right. We're talking with Allie Cohen of WKRC in Cincinnati. You can find her at AllieCo32 on Twitter. She's a great my basketball on number. Um, all right. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to put you on the spot. I want you to tell me a good joke because you seem to know jokes.
2: Oh, no. Give me one good joke
0: to, to go I... out on.
2: No. Oh, my God. This is the worst. I was. Now you're making like my hands
0: are clammy. I know you can do this. I know you Class. can do this. Finish strong. Give me a good. No, joke I thought you were going to for our listeners to uh...
2: a good. joke. I don't. No, see this—you can't do this to me because this is gonna. This isn't how I wanted to end it. Can I tell the story? Ooh, I thought. Can we talk about postseason? Can I tell you my my favorite postseason memory? All baseball? right, tell me a
0: quick postseason memory. That's
2: not as. That's not as fun. Uh, in 2013, and we were talking about this the other day, actually. Um, with the with the wild card game and and how it cha- how it's changed the game for I think fans. And um, I was at the game. I was working. I think in. Steubenville at the time I worked for the Pirates before that but um in 2013 when the Pirates were playing the Reds in the wild card game um and the entire at PNC Park like I mean it was 40,000 plus fans packed you know whatever it was and Cueto and was out on the mound and the entire ballpark just started chanting Cueto Cueto and he dropped and he dropped the ball I mean I'm sure every single baseball fan remembers that but um just postseason baseball and adding the wild card game I people who say baseball's bull like even even this week when you have the every single one of these games in every single series um in these tight divisions are are making a difference you've got magic numbers and the magic numbers are not for most teams are are you know more than our 7 or 10 or 11 um because it's just so tight um so that's my favorite i did you like how i kind of like
0: well, you pulled in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I know how much you I love Pittsburgh. So I think that's perfect.
2: Well, I'm, it's, my home, yes. it's my hometown. It's my hometown. So it's not like I'm like a random, you know, Pittsburgh totally lover. But I was born I was born and raised there. But I, um, so PNC Park is my favorite. I was at the, uh, I went to AT&T. Uh, we were in San Francisco for a wedding. So it was my first time there. That ballpark is, is also beautiful. And obviously Wrigley is just historic. So that was pretty cool to, to be there as well. And um, yes, I. I um,
1: Allie Cohen from
0: WKRC in Cincinnati is our guest. Allie, I could talk to you for like another hour. I know I can, but we are going to have to run out of time for this one. You'll have to come back on the Friendly Confines. Will you will you join us again? Maybe in the postseason or something. We'll talk again.
2: Yeah, for sure. So we have a comedian who joins us uh, on our Bengals Nation show, or he he used to last year. So I'd always put him on the spot every year. I'd say, Sneed, you have to like, can you do a stand up now? And he would never do it. And that was, his, that was his job, like being a stand-up comedian. So now I feel a little bit less pressure. I feel a little bit better that I kind of just brushed you off. But I'm going to go to him and ask him his best joke when he's put on the spot. And then I'm going to come back to you with that, even though it's going to be stolen. That's okay. Stealing jokes needed.
0: is part of the action. That's thats totally good. <laughs> Allie Cohen from WKRC, thanks so much. We'll talk down the line. Thanks, I'm. Eighth inning now here on the Friendly Confines, our thanks to Allie Cohen from WKRC, the CBS affiliate in Cincinnati. Uh, She's now a friend of the program, Chad, so we certainly have to have her back. Uh, But you can find Allie at AllieCo32 on Twitter. She's a good follow. Check her out. Make sure you're uh, absolutely doing what you need to do to, you know, follow her and everything that's going on in the,
1: the Cincinnati sports scene. And Ryan, we talked about it before, but uh, definitely, if you haven't already, everybody uh, find Ryan Lieber 75. That is at Ryan Lieber 75 to find Ryan on Twitter. You can search for me on Google. Just search for the Friendly Confines Cubs podcast on Twitter and also Friendly Confines Cubs podcast Facebook page as well, um, where you pull... A growing community, um, two thousand people so far on that Facebook page, and we'd love to have a lot more. So make sure you join. Kick us off eighth.
0: Inning. Yeah, that's terrific. We have two thousand people on that page. That's just a tribute to you for sure for everything that uh, you've been able to do
1: to get all those followers to come on Facebook. We've got a very engaged it community. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, eighth inning now, and Chad, uh, Dodgers, Cardinals, and Brewers. Oh my! Oh We're my! Down the stretch here the Dodgers are starting to catch fire as well the Brewers are staying close with the Cubs game for game and the Cardinals don't count them out just yet so my question to you is of those three teams which one of those is the one that scares you the most
1: it, it's, it's a great question and i'm i'm going to i'm going to throw the Rockies in there as well because right now everything is very uncertain certain in terms of, of who um, is going to be in the mix who potentially if the Cubs go on to win the central they'll, they'll play in the wild card um, it, it you know if everything goes on path where it is right now the Cubs should have the best record in the national League should have home field should face the um, the wild card of those four teams you know the, the two best records of those are Cardinals and uh, the team that surprises I'm concerned about it, but the Cardinals are the team that they have—they have literally nothing to lose. Nobody expected them to be there. They've had a lot of injuries and a lot of issues. Um, I, I saw a stat earlier today where the entire Cardinal starting rotation has pitched more innings this year than in each of their the rotations' uh, uh, um, career. So they're playing out of their heads right now. That's the team that if they, they have so much to gain by beating the Cubs, and the Cubs just would by beating them would just you know have their expectations met right so that's the team that scares me from a sneaky standpoint the Dodgers terrify me because when they're healthy that's about as good as it get you've got Turner who's playing like an MVP in the last month definitely not the whole year Good as anybody who's ever stepped on a mound you've got Kenley Jansen who is a tremendous closer um of which the Cubs do not have an equal and then you puzzle as well. So, you know, here's the beauty of the playoffs. If you're in and if you're in, it's a beautiful place to be. So no matter who the team faces, who the Cubs face, um, I think it's going to be a battle. I don't think there's going to be any walkovers anywhere in the National League. How about you?
0: No, I I completely agree with you. And of those three teams, for me, I'd have to say it's the Dodgers only because Mm -hmm. right now, look, they're the reigning NL champs. They knocked the Cubs out of the postseason last year. They have a roster that you know, is, is competitive right up there with what the Cubs bring to the table. You mentioned the offense with the Dodgers. I mean, between Turner and Machado and Puig, I mean, you name it, like, and Muncie. I mean, these guys, it's just like every single guy in the lineup is somebody that I feel like you got to be careful in in how you're pitching to them. Um, And then you mentioned, you know, Kershaw and Rich Hill. um, And, you know, now they got Kenta Maeda in the bullpen who's somebody that can go long relief and then Kenley Jansen, who's nearly unhittable uh, when it comes to closing out games. So for me, I would have to say the Dodgers are the team that scare me the most, but right there and not far behind uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are another team that I think if the Cubs had to play them, um, you know, as it looks right now, it it could potentially be where the Brewers and the Cardinals are in a one game playoff. And then if the Brewers were to win, the Cubs would have to play that winner of the one game (laughs) playoff game. So the Brewers, I mean, and we saw them recently, and obviously we know what happened there, but, I mean, between Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Kane and Curtis Granderson and you got, you know, Mike Moustakis, I mean, they're, these are players that are certainly hitting their stride. I didn't even mention Ryan Braun, who's kind yeah. of been an afterthought on this team yeah. now with all the players that are playing so well. So I got to tell you, the Brewers, you know, they're they're scary. They really are. I mean, and they're bullpen with Hader coming out of the bullpen, who's basically unhittable. Um, You know, I mean, this is a team that's extremely dangerous. And then then I would put the Cardinals down there. I I know the Cardinals are playing really good right now. And Mike Schilt, man, I mean, you can make the case that guy could win manager of the year after what he's been able to do for the Cardinals. Um, But I think when it's all said and done, the Dodgers are the team that's most likely going to be the team that the Cubs are going to have
1: the most trouble with. Yeah, and this means probably um, all things considered, uh, the Rockies are probably going to win it all because <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we didn't mention it. Or, or the how... Atlanta Braves, for that matter, because we didn't <laughs> oh, exactly. mention that either. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about – we talked about a couple there. Um, moving on to the ninth inning and um Cubs podcast, and so you're probably going to guess who I think is the National League MVP, but I think it's so incredibly – um, deserve it, especially with everything from the intangibles and everything he's done, um, from base running from the played three different positions, many logged many innings at three different positions, third, second, and shortstop. What well, you offensively from a power standpoint, from an on base per Javi Baez is my national league MVP. Um and I'll talk about some of the other contenders if you don't, but uh is he is it to lose at this point? I mean, I don't see
0: why not. He's, he's been nothing short of amazing. I mean, he's hitting 295. He's got 33 homers, 107 RBIs. I mean, there's no reason why he has become the best player on this team. This team is no longer Anthony Rizzo's or Chris Bryant's. It's Javi Baez's. And, I mean, the Cubs are in first place because of him. He is the most exciting player in baseball. He has done things that, uh, I mean, you and I have talked about this, historical numbers for a guy who hasn't put up these kind of numbers for the Cubs since yeah. Ryan Sandberg and Ernie Banks. So, I mean, it's it's incredible to see kind of what Javi what Baez has transformed into and what he has become. At the same token, look, I mean, there's a lot of talk about a Christian Yelich on the Brewers, as we just talked about. What a great year he is having. And then, you know, we mentioned the the Paul Goldschmidt's of the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Trevor Stories and the Nolan Arenado's of the Colorado Rockies. And, you know, even Matt Carpenter of the Cardinals is somebody that's getting some consideration. Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves, another guy that's having a, a remarkable year uh, for someone his age and just a remarkable year in general. So, I mean, again, I would give it to Javi. But, you know, sometimes these voters, they get weird and they just, I don't know, they assign things to players about certain things and the war and all that stuff. And, I mean, I I hope that at the end of the day, and I would like to think that the voters are going to get it right, that Javi would be the right person to get this uh, award. But, you know, I don't don't run anything past these writers to think that maybe it's Christian Yelich. But for my money, I think right now it's between Yelich and Javi. I think those are the two that are ultimately – Going to be considered for the award, but I think when it's all said and done, yeah. I mean, Javi's got overall better numbers. He really does. I mean, Yelich has a better average, but everything else, I believe, Javi's got more of. So, um, you know, that should say something. It's not like Javi's average is bad because hitting 295 is certainly nothing to sneeze at
1: by any stretch. Carpenter and Carpenter. Uh you know, Carpenter's got him on on home runs with 35, but from an RBI standpoint, which for me is so incredibly important for a player to, um, with runners um, in scoring position or with runners on to actually generate offense, you know, if if we just said... For probably Christian Yelich. I'm gonna put Matt Carpenter in there out of respect to Cardinal fans that, that do follow this show. Javi Baez and, and Paul Goldschmidt. Javi Baez and Paul Goldschmidt going into the Arizona series are both at 5.8 wars, where Christian Yelich is at a 5.7, Matt Carpenter is just at five. We're not gonna go into a deep dive in all those different pieces. What I'm gonna say is that is really truly um, there's a lot of focus there on the offensive numbers. And yes, defensive run saves are a big piece of that as well. But what Javi Bias has been able to do, well, he does to do from a standpoint of when there's a, a runner trying to steal a base on him, whether he's at second or third, offensively, what he can do with this glove and the versatility to positions in the field and play it so well nobody is, I've never seen anybody have this sort of versatility and have the offensive numbers he's had um, and, uh, and, and have two triple crown of the two of the three. So Javi Baez definitely has my pick and uh, it's going to be exciting to see how this uh, and the offensive numbers really shape up. But for a, for a, for a player like Javi, who's been able to do what he's been able to do, he's been the glue of this very injured and, and team in the chicago cubs that has to apply to that v of the most valuable he has been most valuable to this team um, in order for this cubs team to be on pace for 95 wins. i
0: I agree with you and no doubt everything you're saying makes sense it's i suppose just a matter of if the voters are thinking in that regard and i think sometimes they do and uh but you know it just depends on what they're looking for this year when it comes to that MVP race. All right. That is going to wrap things up for this edition of the friendly fun show, fun show today. A lot of fun. I want to thank Allie Cohen for uh, taking the time to chat with us and hopefully she'll be back another time on the program. Chad, always great to catch up with you. Certainly. We hope the next time we talk to you, the Cubs will be still sitting pretty in first place with maybe an even more comfortable lead and just ever so closer to clinching that division title. Have a good one. Everybody. We'll talk to you soon. See you at the ballpark, everyone.
1: Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago You're blessed
2: and you're a feel. The first time you walk into Wrigley